you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com events. Studios. When it's all said and done, we're talking about like 2%, 2% of the profits that the streamers make. And again, I, I just don't think people understand how much this industry depends on writers. And the writers are the first people to get pooped on. <laughs> That's a big part of why writers continue to picket at studios across LA. I've really benefited from the residual system we had. And I was able to sock away money for college and my kids' 529s only because of that. That's really one of the things that we're fighting for now, which is sort of financial stability, you know, so you can make it through the lean times and the good times. I'm Brian De Los Santos, and this is How to LA, the podcast that helps you understand what's going on in your city. Yesterday, we talked to John Horn, host of the LA Studios podcast, Retake, which touches on Hollywood stories. He explained the history of the Writers Guild Association and its past strikes. If you want to hear more on that, check out that episode. Today, you'll be hearing from two writers to get their perspective on what it's like to be in film and television these days, and the not-so-great circumstances that prompted so many storytellers to put down their pencils this week and walk off the job. Just before the strike became official, we spoke to Rafael Agustin, he worked on the CW sitcom, Jane the Virgin. I'm a TV writer, I'm an author, and I'm the CEO of the Latino Film Institute. We also talked with Caroline Renard, a TV writer and a WGA captain. She acts as a liaison between the broader guild and its union members. So I moved out here in 2013, so 10 years. will be. More, this is my 10-year anniversary of working in Hollywood. Now, the thing every Hollywood writer experiences when they get the first gig, especially in TV, is the writer's room. But what does being in a writer's room really mean? And how has the experience of being a writer changed in recent years? Well, the writer's room is essentially just a space where all the writers come together. It used to be, you know, they're at the studio lot or, or at the broadcast building. Um, a lot of writer's room, they're spread out throughout town. It's just a space where we can all come together and then you're all pitching story. When I was starting off, I always thought like, you get assigned an episode and you get to go be a writer. But really what I discovered is, oh wow, you're in a room collectively pitching story, breaking story, and then, you know, the, the writer of that particular episode leaves the room and goes to realize that story. I love being in a writer's room. It's such a collaborative space. It's such a it's such a safe space. It's just a fun space. It's just like you have a group of writers who have, like, outrageous ideas and have brains, you know, that, like, carry so many ideas and things, and you're sitting around just trying to make sense of everything so like to me to be in a writer's room means that like I get to work with the best of the best and like learn so much and like help me become a better writer I've seen the changes you would be able to start off as a writer's PA or writer's assistant and you would be able to like grow with a show every season you would be able to like 
if you started off at season one of a show, you would then season two be a staff writer, then season three be a story editor. And there was a clear path of growth. There was a clear path of training and mentorship where um, someone could be on a show for you know six, seven seasons. And by the time that show ended, they were the showrunner, you know? Like, but um, in the past few years with the rise of streaming, it's kind of taken that away from people. So the writer's room is completely being decimated and it's no longer like a big room with professional writers and like the apprenticeship and uh, how one continues to grow in their particular field and industry set in place. Now it's like mini rooms. It's like, you know, four to six people expected to do all the work that 10 to 12, 13 people used to do in the past. Everything started to change with the rise of streaming services. Netflix, Amazon, Apple, and all those limited series they're known for. You know, The Dropout, Inventing Anna, The Queen's Gambit. These days, folks find themselves writing a whole year's worth of episodes in two months. And sometimes these projects aren't even greenlit. There's more work, but fewer episode guarantees. And that equals less pay. I, and I think that's at the core of what the strike is <laughs> because it's changing rapidly. Um, when I, I went from being like a Sundance Institute fellow to being in a writer's room, but I was fortunate to go into a broadcast writer's room, which had like that old time 18 to 23 episode order. When we say broadcast, we mean like the, the things that you see on your TV stations, right? Like the major broadcasters, the ABC, the CBS, the NBCs of the world. And then when we say streaming, we mean like the new kids in town, the Netflixes, the Apples, the Amazons of the world. Today, what we're finding is a lot of people are getting like eight episode orders, right? You're lucky if you get 10 episodes, right? And um, and then there's a long time in between seasons where it's like a season one of a show and then it's a year, year and a half, two, two maybe between season one and season two of that show. And so people have to move on. Like the job has essentially become like a gig economy. Like you're just working gig to gig. It's not a sustainable and viable career anymore. Writers used to be able to be on set a lot more where you would be able to, especially for your episode, you would be able to like be there to answer questions and produce your episode. And like, if you needed to do a rewrite, you need to like, but now that like, a lot of rooms are happening before productions even start. Writers are like now being cut off from the entire production process and also post-productions of shows. And I do think that affects the show because you don't have the person who wrote it, <laughs> you know, on set to answer questions or to give their notes on things because their 20 weeks in a room is gone and it's done and they've moved on to the next thing. But moving to the next thing? may come with a cost. When we say we want more Black writers and we want more queer writers and we want more brown writers and all that stuff like that, we want them to be able to make the shows and TV um, and the movies that they want. So we're not going to get, we're not going to get the next Ryan Coogler. We're not going to get those next Easter Rays because those people cannot afford to be writers. And when they say writers are striking, what does that mean? We're seeing the picket lines and we know most production could grind to a halt. But what does it mean for writers personally? Pencils down essentially mean like we won't be able to write anything, we won't be able to pitch anything, we won't be able to take meetings on any of these stories. Like TV definitely cannot be produced because the writers are the producers of those episodes. Writers can't 
do rewrites, writers can't do punch-ups, writers can't change lines on set, like all of that would stop. Uh, not to get too personal, but uh, I, I was in a, in a difficult position just last week because I sold a TV show that um, I was trying to turn in with my showrunner before the strike deadline. And um, we had to make a decision, do we turn in a script that's not quite ready just to get paid for it, knowing that we might lose the possibility of getting on air because it's not quite ready? Or do we just not turn it in, turn in a killer outline for the script, have everyone excited over it so that it can possibly get to series after the strike? We decided to go with the latter. We're going to turn in an amazing outline and keep everyone excited, but at the expense of our pay and our money. And we should not be put in that position. I'm in the middle of pitching a show, so then that would mean that's would be put on pause. Um, I'm in the middle of trying to either staff on a new show or waiting on the season four pickup of the show I'm on right now. And I'm also in the middle of a feature that, you know, I'm hoping to get made. So those are three things as far as um, projects that would have to, I would have to stop working on. And I haven't worked since August, since season three wrap. So yeah, that would be more months of not being able to be staffed. Um, my insurance runs out in the fall. So if I don't have a job <laughs> by then to get points, my insurance will be running out. Um, yeah, there's a lot at stake for a lot of a lot of us. At the end of the day, what do writers want? I hope we get a contract that meets what like what we're asking for and that people can actually afford to make this a career. That's what I want to materially see happen. I want a new contract and I want a new contract that pays us our living wages. We're not asking for more than the 2% of the profit they make off of our work. We're not asking for anything else other than that. And so, and the thing that kills me is that these stories, these characters, these worlds all comes from a writer's brain. It materializes and it forms itself in our minds and then it gets to our, uh, you know the final draft and it gets to an executive then it gets to a director then it gets to the actor and yet we're the people who nobody cares about and it's just like it makes no sense to me how like people can obsess over a movie or obsess over characters or obsess over actors or obsess over directors yet the person who wrote the thing that created the jobs for everybody is the person who can't pay their bills. There are re remarkable and, and great artists and storytellers and writers that produce these shows that you love so much, and it's becoming increasingly more difficult to make a living doing so. The dirty secret we don't talk about when it comes to like all these mergers and all these strikes that, that are going on is that um, minorities, women, people of color are the first to get hit by it, right? When there needs to be layoffs is always the, like, the introductory positions which are all filled with people of color and minorities so 
that's what I'm most afraid of, to tell you the truth. I'm afraid all the great advances that we've made are going to take several steps back. That's it for us today. Thanks to Rafael Agustin and Caroline Renard for speaking with us. Stay updated with what's going on with the strike and negotiations over at Elias.com. Our newsroom will have more coverage there. Thank you for hanging out with us this week. If you love this podcast, share with your friend or your familia. And do me a favor and rate and subscribe. It definitely helps us. This episode is produced by Victoria Alejandro. Erica Washington provided additional reporting. Our other producers are Megan Botel and Evan Jacoby. We'll catch you soon. Hasta luego. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes LA a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. Alias has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com events.